for this segment that we call Happy Facts. We welcome our two favorite happiness contributors from Live Happy Magazine, our section editor, Chris Libby. Hello. And our science editor, Paula Phelps. Hey. Glad to have you guys here once again. What we do in this segment is we gather around in the studio and we share our favorite facts as they relate to positive psychology that we have discovered over the past week. And we discuss them for your benefit and pleasure. And then Paula uh, writes a blog about them where you can find more information and they posted at livehappy.com or some other, uh, not, maybe she posted on her own blog. I don't know. I don't know what she does. We can't control it. Uh, but, uh, what we do is we take these facts and we go in, uh, just random order. So let's start with Chris Libby's fact. Great. The secret to happiness may include embracing your negative emotions. I think this is key to my entire thesis as it relates to the, uh, choice to be a happier person. And I'm really glad you brought this up. What what uh, what angle are you approaching this one from? Well, it's more about being aligned with your emotions. So when you're misaligned, that's when things kind of get wonky for you. And it's not saying that you have to embrace anger, but once you do, for example, let's say there's a great injustice out there, and that spurs you to fix an injustice, or right. you know, it, it spurs you to make a change in your life because you've embraced that. For a more well balanced happiness, it's more about embracing the the emotions we want to have. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's important, too, to understand that, th- that we're going to have these negative emotions. Like, we're going to get angry. We're going to get sad and frustrated and, and all these sorts of things. But turning those into a positive, you know, turning them into, like you said, if you're angry about an injustice, but you, you use that anger to fuel the good works that go towards solving that injustice, uh, it, it, it can be beneficial for you. And, uh, you know, Paula, I, I said uh, when we were first starting this show and I was talking to uh, Jody Dean in the morning team on uh, 98.7, Caleb, I said, Ed, life isn't all uh, rainbow and puppy dog tales. Uh, we've got to learn to embrace uh, the negativity as well and learn from it and move on and not wallow in it. What do you think? The more we try to deny any part of ourselves, the more turmoil we create. So if we feel like, oh, I should always be happy and we're denying those other emotions, we're actually creating a bigger problem than if we just go ahead, accept the emotions, deal with them and decide how you want to make that change and how you want to um, let that spur you on to something different. And I think it's important to realize, too, that the goal of becoming a happier person does not mean the end of that is not being happy all the time because that's unrealistic. So if you're not happy all of the time, don't beat yourself up for it because otherwise you're just sending yourself down the road toward depression which is the exact opposite of where you were intending to head uh, in the first place. When I first saw this study, I reached out to one of the lead researchers on it, and you can read more about it on livehappy.com, but her name is Maya Tamir. (laughs) (laughs) And she said exactly that. When you're feeling these emotions, accept these emotions, and don't don't beat yourself up and make yourself yourself feel like there's something wrong with you, because they're not. These are natural emotions. Another interesting thing she said was 90% of the time, we want positive emotions. Right. You know, and 10% of the time, people want to have negative emotions, but they're still both healthy to, to, to embrace. It's like the people that are like, oh, I just need a good cry once every couple of months, so they put on steel magnolias. Is that you? <laughs> Is that you, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you do, JR? Yeah, that's what I do. That's that's my secret. I cried at the end of Terminator oh. 2. <laughs> I believe I once cried at Baby's Day Out, so I think I got you beat. <laughs> Let's move on to our second fact, and that fact comes from Paula. All right. Well, as it turns out, the Fountain of Youth apparently is located right next to the dance floor. Well, okay. 
How? In case you didn't, we're all looking for the fountain of youth. I just told you where it is. So okay, uh, I am not. No, there's some age studies gracefully. that show that dancing <laughs> can not just slow signs of aging in the brain, but can actually reverse it. And this was interesting because there's been a lot of information about how exercise affects us and how it can slow uh, aging down. But this actually showed that dancing can reverse the aging process. Is there a particular type of dance? Like, am I going to be happier if I do the hustle or the Macarena (laughs) or the Foxtrot? Actually, the the level of the challenge has the most effect on it. Um, So the researchers attributed it to the fact that they're trying to learn something new. They really have to focus on this. And the greater the challenge, the greater the effect it had. So So if you um, take grandpa and grandma line dancing at the local uh, country bar, that's actually probably good for them. In some ways, yes. <laughs> uh, provided people aren't wearing spurs and kicking them in the shins, that'd be terrible. Yeah, but just but kind of keep an eye on them. Yeah, but I remember, you know, I went to a, a, a midwestern university where country bars were plentiful, uh, and going out there on Sundays and learning these dances was just as fun as anything else I learned in college. Absolutely, absolutely. And they found that this worked for like jazz, square dancing, Latin American dancing, line dancing, as you just said. It yeah. it really didn't matter. It was just the idea that they were having to learn something new. So we don't know why this combined with the music did that, um, why it's more effective than a lot of other forms of activity. Well, I mean, you've got the exercise, you've got the social aspect of it, you've got the learning aspect of it. Uh, and heels. And the heels, heels. yes. Uh, I noticed, Libby, you're you're very quiet during this <laughs> dancing segment. Yeah. Why? Uh... <laughs> the, uh, I just feel sad for myself because I'm never going to be able to practice this theory. Embrace that emotion. Embrace it. Yeah, Embrace I'm, the I'm sadness. That. Yeah. The, but I guess, like we talked about before, also being in the moment being, and thinking about nothing else except for the current activity that you're doing and just getting into the flow of life, we all know that once you get into that flow that everything else seems to melt away and you're just doing that one thing. Very cool. And so I guess what we've decided here is we're all going to go to the Polka Festival next month. Right, guys? Right? Totes. yippee ki yay <laughs> Let's move on to our third and final fact, and that is my fact. And that is that you can spice up your marriage by showing, mm, a, by showing a little <laughs> more gratitude. See, be nicer to your spouses, everybody. Uh, basically, what this is, it is it's called, uh, and correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, the losada ratio, losada, loseda. Uh, either way, it divides the total number of positive expressions like support, encouragement, and appreciation made during a typical interaction by the negative expressions like disapproval, sarcasm, or cynicism. And they did this study, and essentially what they found was that at a certain ratio, they could predict if if married couples were going to divorce or not, if it reached wow. a certain point. So when the ratio was below 0.9, once you divided it out, if it was below 0.9, there were 11% more negative expressions than positive expressions. Marriages plummeted towards divorce or languishment. And in this study, they predicted divorce with 90% accuracy. Hmm. And they suggest that three or four positives for each negative means that you're doing well. So it's kind of like that sandwich theory, which I think a lot of high school guidance counselors uh, latched onto, at least when I was in high school. For every negative you're going to give somebody, you got to give them two positives uh, and keep them happier. And I guess that's in some ways, it's uh, you got to double the uh, the amount of the uh, positive bread before you get to the negative meat of what you want to say to somebody. They always <laughs> say that that negativity is heavier. Um, yeah. And so you do have to work harder. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but gratitude is just it's just a general rule in life. It makes your life a lot better. Um, it just trains, like we heard from Philip Watkins at the uh, IPA conference, Paula. It trains your mm-hmm. brain for happiness. Yeah, it's, it's your moral anchor, your moral barometer. Everything yeah. is better in your life with gratitude. Well, and a lot of people, and uh, I have not been married long, and uh, you guys have been with your partners for a while now. Um, they say that the relationship, it, eventually the, the initial white-hot passion that you have when you first meet, that goes away, as, and that's natural. <laughs> but in order to keep that love that love and feeling in order to keep from losing that love and feeling mm-hmm. if you can uh be grateful for what each person uh does and brings instead of looking at uh the fact that they don't necessarily put their clothes in the hamper the right way um or <laughs> or they you know don't help out or, or the way that you would like them to that will keep the the real spark going for a lot longer yeah and i think whatever you focus on i i think in any long term relationship you start getting as you said you get in that little rut and you do start noticing the things that they're doing wrong and when you begin to focus on that you're going to find a lot more things that they're doing that you would do differently and and so if you can teach yourself to everything that you are like why is there wet towels on the furniture and say like well he took a shower <laughs> you know find the, find the happy thing about that you know if you can start like like Chris just mentioned, you know, teaching yourself to look for the positive, it becomes natural, and that gratitude is really going to go a long way toward cultivating a stronger and, and more loving relationship. So there, there's this idea, and someone asked this question as they were uh, going through this study. What if I just kind of fake the gratitude that I have? Will that eventually work? Well, the answer is yes and no. Yes, as you're beginning this practice, you've got to rewire your brain to be looking for the things to be grateful for. But eventually, that's not going to be enough. It, you're, you have to get that, that, that wiring set that way, and then the, the gratitude really will have to come from the heart. So you can fake it, but only up until the point where you can truly make it. Yeah. I mean, it's all about making a choice. Yeah. Um, and it's reinforcing kindness. It's just, you know, it, it just increases your social integration and... It's just a, just a good thing to do, and just for every aspect in your life. Yeah, in my and, opinion. and if it's if we're going to be talking about these practices as as practices, the best way to do it start at home, and then mm-hmm. let it uh, ripple out from there. So eventually, your neighbors will appreciate you a lot more too when you take their lawnmower and don't give it back. <laughs> I want to hear that story. <laughs> 